Welcome, everybody, to the Nuggets of Gold podcast. I'm here with Jason. Jason, you want to say hi to everyone and just give yourself a, a quick introduction? Yeah, man. Thanks for having me, man. Um, yeah, Jason Aponte, uh, you know, 49ers Goldmine, you know, Joker on Twitter, you know, a lot of memes and things like that, you know, uh, co-host of Sprint Right Option podcast with um, Andrew Pasquini. But yeah, just a, you know, just a regular guy. You know, you guys know me if you see me on Twitter. I'm just a regular guy talking football. So, you know, happy to be here. Thank you for the invite, man. Yeah, of course. Uh, so for today's episode, basically, me and Jason are just going to go through and kind of talk about what we want to see this offseason for the 49ers. I haven't really done a like off-season breakdown or like an intro into the off-season, so I figured this would be a great time to do that. Um, but with all that said, let's start talking about some quarterback. Jason, I want to hear what are your, I guess, one, two, and three things you want the 49ers to do at quarterback? Hmm, man. Well, one, I want them to figure it out. And what I mean by that is is – you can't publicly flirt with with other quarterbacks, you know, and 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 say one thing, you know, your actions show something different. So I just want them to, you know, figure out exactly what it is that they want to do, right? And it almost seems like any and everybody has been linked to the 49ers as far as quarterbacks go. You know, we had the Stafford thing, you know, Watson for a little while, that's sort sort of heating up again. You know, but I just want their actions to line up with their words. You know, um we expect Jimmy Garoppolo to be back next year. We expect I expect a lot of things. I feel like that's giving yourself an out when you start to say words like that. You know, it's almost like here's the safety net of Jimmy Garoppolo, but we're also going to explore these options. Um, you know, and and it's weird because you, you watch the Rams take a swing on Matthew Stafford and it's like, you know, that might have put the 49ers in a position where they have to take a swing themselves because, you know, other teams are taking chances. So um, what I want them to do is figure it out. I don't know what whatever that plan is, whether that's, Jimmy and a rookie, Jimmy and, you know, somebody that, you know, you can say is a reclamation project, maybe somebody like Darnold, something like that. I'm not certain. You know, again, I just want them to figure it out more than anything. That's one. Two, just I want an upgrade at this point. You know, let's let's upgrade the position, but let's not upgrade the position at the expense of gutting the team. Right. Everything needs to be within context. I think the Super Bowl laid out, you know, basically the Chiefs fatal flaw or any any team's fatal flaw that is the ultimate team game and even the great Patrick Mahomes can't overcome you know poor line play because of all the injuries right so football is the ultimate team sport and I think that that's what it what it showed in the Super Bowl so yes upgrade the position figure it out but upgrade the position without you know gutting the team and, and leaving whatever quarterback to run for his life because even if that was Deshaun Watson let's say in that game similar results would have happened there was there was no quarterback that that would have been able to navigate that so yeah, I mean, I think the Super Bowl was a good point, talking point for both sides. So if you're on the side of edge rushers, you know, uh, you know, closing out games and, and being vital to your team, then you have your ammo. Um, and also, if you want to say, you know, here's what happens when you put a quarterback in a position where there's nobody around them, you can also use that as well, too. So I think the Super Bowl gave a lot of people their talking points at this point. Yeah, I know. And we've and we've definitely seen like, all right, let's sell the farm for Watson. And a lot of times you see that Fred Warner and Nick Bosa is included. One, it doesn't really make any sense from a financial move to get rid of Nick Bosa. Warner makes a little bit more sense, but I still highly doubt they're going to try to give away, or not give away, but trade a a superstar defensive player and a guy that, especially in Warner, because Warner's run around with guys that were on the practice squad last year, and they're still posting a top six defense, which is not typical for like a linebacker to carry your team like that. Right. So definitely something that we've seen a lot of where it's like, oh, they're going to trade two ones and Warner or Bosa or something like that. 
I think that's really unlikely uh, just because, I mean, you brought up like you don't want your guy running around with nothing. We saw in Houston when Watson didn't have a defense around him and they blew that, what was it, like a 24-point lead against the Chiefs? Mm-hmm. 21 or 24 points? Mm-hmm. Half. They were they were up. I think it was like 24 nothing or something like that. But in a half, they were down. They, yeah. they were up, and then all of a sudden, in a few minutes, they were down at half. I, I, it's unreal. Yeah, and, and you brought up, like, having a team sport. You don't want your guys running around. Um, and on one side, like, you you want to have the pressure for against the quarterback. And then if you got the star quarterback, you got to have an offensive line for him. Um, I mean, we saw that this past season when – even when Jimmy Garoppolo was there and when Nick Mullins was there, like, neither of the guys had any time. Um, and I'm not, I'm not a big Nick Mullins guy, but, like – it's not like we were doing him any help, just having guys in the backfield constantly. So you, if mm-hmm. anything you do, I think if you upgrade, even if Jimmy is your starter next year, having a better backup and fixing the offensive line, I think will will help the quarterback room as as much as anything. Um, if I was going to like rank him, I'd probably say you know trading for Watson at one, where you would have to mortgage a lot of the future. But I mean, Deshaun Watson is special. I think everyone can agree with that. Um, I another guy I really like is Trey Lance. He's kind of been like my guy this draft, like all the way through. Like I've I've been a huge fan of him. Um, Same, Matt. I, I have him at quarterback too, which is super high for a lot of people. It's not though. I mean, here here's the thing with uh, you know because I'm I'm in the same boat as you, right? I, I fight off the Trey Lance haters all the time, right? You know, I hear everything. Running back, oh, you know, one game, and and so okay, cool, all of those things. It's still what I see on the film. I still see is. I still see a guy that that can succeed at this level, right? Especially considering the way that, uh, so, you know, because I, I've been trying to advocate for him to be a 49er, and I hear everything about, man, he's not a scheme fit. Well, when you watch the film, there's a lot of those Shanahan concepts in there with play action or RPO, all of those things are there, right? So I think what's really interesting about this draft, and I'm glad you brought up Trey Lance, is anybody could be number two. Would I be surprised if it was Justin Fields? Nope. Would I be surprised if it was Zach Wilson? Nope. Would I be surprised if it was Trey Lance? Nope. You know, so that's the thing about it, right? There's at least legit four guys, I feel like, at the top of this draft that will be impact players down the line. So that's that's what makes it so interesting. I think we all agree that Trevor Lawrence, while he still has his flaws, is number one, right? That means, you know, yeah. that there's no question about it. But whoever's going to be number two, I think we're going to look back in a few years and we, we might be surprised at who it is. Yeah, no, and and the thing about quarterback too is so much of it is dependent on landing spot. You know, you go a couple years back, and this is the one I bring up, and I think a lot of people probably hate to hear this, but you have Sam Darnold go to the Jets and Josh Allen go to the Bills. I truthfully think if you switch those two guys, you're not exactly, but you're going to have similar results just because of the organizations around those guys. And like both of them are super talented. Like we see Sam Darnold make really talented plays. The problem is he has nobody around him. And so, like, if, for instance, say uh, Zach Wilson lands in a good spot and Justin Fields just doesn't, then I would bet a lot that, that Zach Wilson's going to be a great player, you know? So I think a lot of those two, three, four guys, whichever order they go, it's really going to depend on who takes them. I mean, we saw when the Chiefs trade up for Mahomes, Mahomes was one of those guys that super raw player. Well, you land Project. with Andy Reid. Yeah. You land with Andy Reid and Alex Smith. That doesn't really matter. Like you're gonna get, you're gonna figure it out. Um, yeah. I think that I, I've always liked Trey Lance. I think it, that's weird that people say he's not a scheme fit because their offense is basically power running football and then play action. And my my favorite, yeah, it's so odd. My favorite yeah. thing about Lance though is definitely just his his awareness and presence in the pocket, which I don't think people recognize like how good he is. 
because there'll be a guy screaming off the edge and he'll just slightly step up and he'll roll out at the times when you need to roll out. You know, he'll get away. He'll get out of the pocket, but he reminds me of, I don't really know who, not like a, not like a Russell Wilson. Cause Russell Wilson's a lot more like quick and he can just spin out of the pocket, but he just knows everything that's going on back there. I mean, that's why, that's what made Brady so much money, like throughout his career, you know, just, he always is like, and he's not quick, but his footwork is incredible in the pocket. And the other thing about Lance is that he's really smart and he's a really hard worker. Like everything I've researched about him is just like, oh, this dude is like very intelligent. So I'm going to, if I'm the Niners and you put a guy like that with Kyle Shanahan, I'm going to bet that he's going to be pretty damn good. <laughs> right. And then you, you listen to, you listen to coach talk about Josh Allen and all those guys. And it was clear that he wished Josh Allen would have come out, you know, whatever year because he wanted to get his hands on him and everything. And then I wanted to go back to your point about pressure. I think Trey Lance had the highest um, passer rating under pressure in, you know, in college football actually too. So, you know, for the people that are like, Oh, pressure and pressure. It's not always as easy as that. I find that sometimes with these quarterback narratives that people want to either just try to prove their narrative or just ignore or willfully ignore things that are right there in front of your face, such as that stat, right? The same thing with the interception thing, right? No interceptions for how long? Oh, well, he didn't really pass a lot. Yeah, but you can also apply that same logic to your own quarterback. But hey, you know, who, you know, you know, that's the thing, you know, it's, it's, it's all, it's all right there in front of you. It's just, it's how you choose to take the info. And I think that's what makes the quarterback evaluation process so fun. You see one thing, I see one thing. And then at the end, we'll get to choose and see, or, or we'll get to look back and say, okay, man, I really messed up here. Oh, okay. Look, you know, this is, this is uh, where I was right. So I, I think that's what makes this the most fun, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but let's, let's move on to running back and wide receiver get to those. I think running back and wide receiver is kind of interesting because Seems like the one and two guys are pretty cemented in both those spots with Jeff Wilson, Raheem Mostert, and then Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. But outside of those guys, I mean, at running back, you got Jamichael Hasty. Um, I don't expect Tevin Coleman or Jet McKinnon to be back. That seems very unlikely. Um, at wide receiver, you have KB that's a free agent. Don't really know how that's going to play out. It seems like he wants to be back from the stuff I've heard from him. I don't know exactly what they're doing with him. Um, you also have Jalen Hurd there. I think Trent Taylor's a free agent. I don't know if he's going to be back. I, I he's don't know. Done. Like he, he's like a, an end of the roster kind of guy. But mm-hmm. I think at both of these spots, it's just trust Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, Kyle, if you like I mean, a guy, take him. Absolutely. I mean, and and with running back, you know, they're probably not going to draft a running back really high, you know, even though, you know, they, they did draft, you know, Joe Williams and, you know, (laughs) you know, those things still exist. Right. So, and then the other thing about like not paying running backs, that's not all the way true. You know, they paid Jet McKinnon, you know, they paid, you know, Tevin Coleman, a bunch of guaranteed money. And, and when Raheem Mostert asked for, you know, more money, he wasn't asking for a wild raise. He just wanted to make what Tevin Coleman made. That's why like, I, I don't like that narrative of, Oh, he asked for his money. He asked for like $2 million. Like he just wanted the same thing. Tevin Coleman was getting, you know, like it wasn't like mm-hmm. he held out for a huge con. It wasn't like he was Robbie gold, like holding out. He didn't do that. You know, like it's like, nobody ever wants to remember things like that. But um, I think that there's upgrades that could be made um, at running back and wide receiver. You know, look, I love Kendrick Bourne, uh, you know, for what he brings to the team and everything. Very solid guy. You love the story. Undrafted free agent. Me, personally, if I was playing fantasy football, I'd love that er, um, to add Curtis Samuel um, as the third mm-hmm. wide receiver here. You know, um, if you notice the way he was utilized before um, Matt Rule got his hands on him, he was just basically a deep threat guy, which I felt was always just the wrong move for him. 
you know, like, and, and if you watch the film, he would be open by 10 yards. Kyle Allen would either underthrow him or just completely overthrow him. Right. So that's, that's kind of always been my argument about stats and film because people come to me, Oh, well, look at his production. Okay. But look at the film. He's wide open. You know, that's the thing. Right. So I would love to have him there because then he's another part, part like Swiss army knight type, because that's what Matt rule used him for this year in the backfield, quick throws, things like that. When he's got the ball in his hands, it's amazing. Never mind the names that you can come up with between Debo and Curtis, because they're both Samuel, you know, all those things are cool. Right. But I think that you can upgrade that third wide receiver position. It's just all a matter of how do you do this with the money? You know, and that's really I leave that up to the cat people. I never really talk about that. So when I talk about fantasy football, Curtis Samuel is somebody that I would love to have um, as a, as a, a third wide receiver on this team. I just think that that would that would really make it hard to defend this team more so depending on who, you know, who's the quarterback. Yeah, we. I mean, I, I think I've seen a lot of him and also Cordell Patterson get linked to the Niners just because of how they use Debo, really, and and mm-hmm. how they use a lot of their guys like Kyle Juszczyk and stuff. I, I think that I like Curtis a lot. Um, I think he's probably going to be a little bit pricey. That's why I, yeah. I'm guessing he probably won't go to San Francisco. Also, if you're Carolina, like Curtis Samuel's a stud. Like you got to hang on to a guy like that, especially when you're trying to build up that offense. Because their offense, they have some pieces. They have some serious pieces in Carolina. Um, maybe they don't hang on to him, which is kind of odd because it's almost like they would be keeping Robbie Anderson instead of him since they signed him last year. And I'd mm-hmm. rather have Curtis. I mean, Robbie's solid, but like Curtis is just a weapon, and you can it changes like a it adds a wrinkle to your offense. So you're preaching like to the choir. I'm I'm straight up Curtis um, Samuel Hive, and that's for my fantasy football days. Like I had always, I'm always the guy that ends up drafting Curtis Samuel. Like this is the year, this is it, you know. So I mean, I you, I know exactly what you're talking about. And then the other thing is, is that people don't want to remember is that you know Teddy's fine. Everybody loves the story about Teddy, but man, he kind of limited that offense. The the play designs that they have, Matt Rule is ready to go, and and that's why when we were in Mobile and we got a chance to you know sit in his press conferences and everything. They made no bones about talking about evaluating quarterbacks and moving up for quarterbacks and things like that. So it's clear that they're they're about to upgrade. You know, DJ Moore's 23. That's incredible. You know, DJ Moore's 23. You know, Curtis Samuel's relatively young. Robbie Anderson is the old guy of, of the yeah. three. That's that's the crazy part. And I think that's what you're alluding to. So the other, there was one other free agent that I thought might be interesting to add at wide receiver, Brashad Perriman. Okay. He's just bounced around always a solid player, always plays his role. Um, and recently, I don't know if you watched this interview, the Haberman and Middlecoff podcast had Kyle Juszczyk on, and he was talking about Brandon Ayuk, and he basically said, look, Brandon wants to be a great player. And he said that he thinks that he needs a veteran wide receiver in the room. I don't know if Brashad Perriman is that guy, but he's, he's, I think, 28 right now, 29 years old. He's been on a bunch of teams. He's had some success. I think bringing him in the room would be pretty cool. I think that's a good guy also. Um, and I don't think he would be very expensive if they want to go like a, a cheaper route. But I like him a lot. I don't know your thoughts on him. That's an under-the-radar move. Like, you'd be able to get him for nothing and then unlock things. See, he's a he's a little bit of a burner. So that, that helps, right? If you want to get a speed threat. Like, let's say you swing and miss on Curtis Samuel, right? And let's say Kendrick Bourne prices himself out right and some you know i'm always pro player look i would i love kendrick Bourne back cool but if somebody's going to give you a bag take it take it whenever you can especially yeah. if you're an undrafted free agent but rashad perryman could be um could be an under the radar signing because he can stretch defenses you know he was in tampa um in and in the last year with Jameis, if i'm not mistaken and you know when when chris godwin and mike evans got injured he went crazy with Jameis winston right but though but that's an offense conducive to throwing the ball down the field right 
you know, he, he landed on the Jets last year. We, we know, you know, Flacco and, and Darnold were the quarterbacks. You know, we, it, it's hard to evaluate anybody over there just because the Jets are a mess and Adam Gase is just the worst. But, um, but yeah, I, I actually really never thought of him that way because he could be like a less expensive Curtis Samuel and somebody who could take the top off of defenses as well, too. So that's a, that's a good call. I, I like that. Yeah. Um, and then at tight end, I think maybe you bring back Jordan Reed. I think that's also a guy where it just really depends on his price. But I like Ross Dwelly. I like George Kittle. Um, I do think that if if you're really going crazy and you're trying to stack the offense, Pitts at 12 is always so interesting. Nope. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's the smart move. Like we've seen so many tight ends get drafted early. Like Hawkinson's an absolute stud, but he went top 10. So it's like, that's a lot. It's a hefty price tag to get a guy like that. And then mm-hmm. in that same draft, you had Noah Fant go like 17, 16, something around that. And Noah Fant hasn't exactly, he hasn't exactly panned out yet. He probably will. He's, you can he see flashes. the talent there. He flashes. Yeah. Oh yeah. He reminds me of like Vernon Davis when he was younger, when he was just like He's crazy about to athletic. Break out. And just dropping a ton of passes. <laughs> right. He's about to break out. I think, um, you know, Drew Locke is, is what he is at this point. In, and I think Denver is, like, making it clear that they're probably not going to stick with him. So, I think if you get get somebody over there with him, you'll see Noah Fant take off. Yeah. But I, I do think uh, the tight end room is pretty set. Uh, when you have George Kittle, as long as you have George Kittle healthy, you're fine there. <laughs> um, yeah. But then, offensive line, I think I said it before, you've got to re-sign Trent Williams. That's... That's the lock of the off, or not the lock, but that's like the must make move of the off. Priority season. number one. Yeah. And I, I don't see them not making that move. I know that like they had negotiations in season. They didn't come out with a deal, but Trent Williams has said like, yeah, I want to be back here. He's, he basically forced his way to be traded to the 49ers. If yep. they don't get it done, that's, that's really bad. That's like a serious red flag right there. I just, yeah. I don't see a way that he doesn't come back. No, that's the thing. And I mean, when you send draft capital for somebody, right, who is supposed to be replacing Joe Staley, it's under the idea that he's going to be here forever or for the rest of his career, right? So if you lose out on that and you sent that third, oof, man, that really looks bad because now there are no upgrades that you can have. Like whoever you bring in to be the left tackle, if Trent Williams isn't here, is a downgrade. Now, how severe is that downgrade? Because there aren't Trent Williams just walking around on the street. You're not going to get David Bakhtiari. You know, like it, it's, 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 it's really put the 49ers in a position where you kind of hope that they would have locked this up, you know, earlier, but good on Trent Williams for trying to see what he's worth out there. Because again, I'm, I'm look 49er fan. Yes. Always pro player because I understand how this game is. So make your money while you can. Yeah. And, and especially cause I mean, football's so violent. You got like your career can, you can literally only get one contract. And I mean, look at D Ford, for example, dude's a stud pass rusher. And he had had some injury concerns before, but I don't think he was going into last year expecting to probably have a career-ending injury. And it's something that's scary, too. It's a neck-back injury. Like, you got to get your money and get taken care of. Um, so, Trent Williams, you definitely got to gotta make your money. You got to – and I, I think he will on the 49ers, though. I think that that seems likely. Um, the other guy I want them to re-sign, Ben Garland. He's been a great reserve center. Nobody's he talking got, about him. No. And, and Kyle Shanahan's talked about him a lot and said, like, hey, like – he was our backup plan if Weston went down and then he went down and that's when the offensive line really started to struggle. And we saw Ben Garland play pretty well. I mean, in the Super Bowl, he played pretty well. He was never really the issue when he was on the field, which is always good. If, if you're a backup center, like you're playing a marquee position. So I think that you got to bring him back. I expect them to, I don't think it'll cost too much million, couple million dollars. Not, not too much. 
Um, and then outside of them, I think you got to sign Alex Mack. Uh, I think that's, it seems like he wants to come to San Francisco. He wants to be with Kyle again, sign Alex Mack, get that center position figured out. Finally. Um, it's been pretty much the whole Kyle Shanahan tenure that that's been kind of an issue. Um, and the center position is so crucial for the offensive line. I know it's an interior position that you're not sealing the edges, but it's still so crucial to those interior guys playing well. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing, right? The center thing is more about calls, understanding the protection schemes. And I think that's, that's where, see, this is the thing with the offensive line, right? Was the offensive line great? No. Was it as bad as everybody says? I'm also going to say no. One communication errors cause a lot of sacks where guys are just like floating and they're not, they're not understanding. Right. Okay. You don't have to worry about Trent. Trent's Trent. His stat line, his stat sheet is going to be clean the entire time. It's less about him and it's more about the communication. And at times, these quarterbacks, whoever it is, Jimmy, Nick, CJ, you're holding the ball too long. You're holding the ball too long at this point. If you know someone is struggling on the right side, get the ball out of your hands. You know, um, you know, coaches scheming things up for you to get it out of your hands. You're just not seeing it, right? So, look, did it struggle at times in pass pro? For sure. Is pass pro this this line strength no that's the other thing mike mcglinchy wasn't brought here to be a pass pro guy he was brought here because of his run game prowess and he still was really good at run blocking the issue is is that when you cut those clips of him falling down and stuff like that and you put those up those look really bad but everything deserves context everything has something around it so were they great no but they were pretty similar to production that they were last year the problem is is last year the running game was clicking and the, the passing game was clicking a lot better this year. Not so much. Right. So the center has a lot to do with that too. You know, the calling out the protections and everything. And like you said, Garland stepped in and he Garland stepped in, in the saints game in the middle of like Thunderdome, like literally you don't have time to mess up. Like this was like, literally they score, you score, they score, you score. You had to be right on point and he stepped in fine. And I'm glad that you really brought him up because it seems like nobody is discussing him as if he's not even an option at all. You know, look, Alex Mack, that's a great call. Seems like it's almost inevitable at this point, the way that he's been speaking about, you know, reuniting with Kyle. But if Ben Garland was a center, you wouldn't feel that bad about it. You really wouldn't because he, he, he's he been in the system and you've seen him succeed. So um, that's a good call by you. I mean, honestly, I like, again, nobody's talking about Ben Garland at all. And I think if you have him as like, okay, he's going to be your backup center and he's going to back up both guard spot, you can, you're like able to like withstand an injury there because- right. A lot of teams, if you have a guy go down, oh, there's positions on on every team where if a guy goes down, you are screwed. Like you are big time screwed because the guy that's backing him up is not ready to play. And a lot of times it's younger teams where, you know, they have like a rookie corner or someone and then he goes out there and he just gets torched because it's like, okay, this guy, like he's just not ready. Not that he's necessarily a bad player or anything, but he's just not quite ready. Having a guy like Ben Garland on the interior side right there helps a lot. Um, the last thing I'll bring up on the offensive line Lakin Tomlinson was great last year. Mm-hmm. And that's because he fin- he got Trent Williams next to him. The first few weeks, I remember, I think it was like week four, week five. The 49ers two guards were rated like the second and like last, like in on PFF, they were rated like super low. Lakin Tomlinson totally turned around after that. And he was fantastic for the rest of the season. So I wanted to give him a quick shout out because he he deserves it. He played really, really well last year. And I can attribute that to communication. Again, you guys are, are getting together. You know, remember, it was Grasso who started week one. 
you know, and then and then it got so bad that Brunskill had to move over, you know. So so that's the thing. And I think that um, sometimes with with how uh, it, it's not I don't want to say ego, but I feel like after they saw what Brunskill did last year everywhere at all those positions, it almost was hubris that, oh, Brunskill is fine. He can he can go guard center, whatever. It's not usually how it works, man. Like, you know, like guys aren't able to just float from position to position and 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 the techniques are different at guard and at center and things like that. So, you know, I think that it was a little bit of hubris at, to the point of like, oh, we're fine. Brunskill can cover up all those things. But I think they learned a lesson, hopefully, this year with that. Yeah, I think so as well. Um, but let, let's get into the defensive line a little bit. One guy, another guy that's super underappreciated, Kevin Givens. I actually tweeted about him yesterday, and, and the tweet did pretty well. So apparently people do. They're on the, the Kevin Givens hype train. But he's only 23. He's so young. Yeah. So That's I a think great that, call. I think that him and Kinlaw look to be like the base down defensive tackle, mm-hmm. the two defensive tackles moving forward. Um, I don't know if DJ Jones gets brought back. I really like DJ Jones. I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of him. Problem is he's been he's been hurt quite a bit, and I think someone else will will break him off. Just someone's going to give him money. Yep. Yeah, and I think I don't think the Forty ers want to do that. Um, just because of Kevin Givens, really, I think he's kind of emerged and like he's almost taken his role a little bit. So, I think that defensive tackle, you got Kevin Givens, you got Javon Kinlaw. Maybe I think that there's a good chance that Solomon Thomas gets brought back and they play him inside a little bit more. I, I hope to see that because, I mean, I don't think the organization's going to give up on him. Also. He's a very, like, very clearly a big-time leader in that locker room. He's not going to cost a lot. You know, he's coming off of an ACL. He's been training with Bosa, doing stuff with Bosa. Um, and I think that they want to see him at least for another year. Um, on At the defensive end position, obviously Ford's – not obviously, but it sounds like Ford's going to be gone. You have to replace Ford. Mm-hmm. And that can be Kerry Hyder. The guy I like a lot is Carl Lawson. I think Carl Lawson is a stud. He, he's a freak athlete. There was a, a sack I saw where he comes in on the tackle, he gets him outside, and then he swim moves him inside and just destroys him. Like the offensive tackle gets put on the island, and he cannot hang with Carlos Dunlap at all. And then I think there's a running back in front of, of Dunlap, and he just, or uh, in, sorry, in front of Lawson, and Lawson just runs him over and sacks the quarterback. And it was like really, really impressive. And a lot of flash plays from him. But if you put him opposite, uh, Nick Bo said that's that's pretty scary. It's funny because the the week before the Eagles game, you know, I'm going through the preparation of you know watching the Eagles film and everything, and it was the the week before they were playing the Bengals. I mean, I know that the the, the Eagles had offensive line problems, but my goodness, Carl Lawson was destroying um, the 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 right tackle, the left tackle, whoever it was, and he had been rumored as somebody who, if the 49ers were in contention, you know, maybe at the deadline they make a move. So that's a good call, honestly. He fits perfectly. You know, you need a speed rusher on the other side of Bosa. I don't think that people understand that, you know, bringing in somebody like a J.J. Watt or something like that, I, I I like the idea, but it's not a fit. Like, that's the thing. It's not a fit. And he's a 3-4 defensive end, right? Like, you need a speed rusher on the edge. So that's a good call, like, like on, on Carl Lawson. And that's why, you know, what if the 49ers at 12 want to go, you know, edge, you know, depending on how they, you know, however they, they you know, they address the rest of the, the things – I'm not mad at it. You know, give me Aziz, you know, and, and, and put him out there because he looks like D40 has a similar traits as him, right? And you can have him cost controlled for how long, right? So that's a good call with him. Another name I want to float out to you too, and he's going to be dirt cheap, right? And this is, again, somebody at the deadline that if the 49ers were in, you know, they would have been in on. Ryan Kerrigan. 
Brian Kerrigan will come over for nothing, and he and he can come right in and fit right away. Um, you know, he knows he's been in Washington his whole career, basically. Um, you know, you're talking about the, he knows Kyle again. When when you play for Kyle, then it's like an open door for you to come back and play, right? You know, that's why uh, that's why Tom Compton was on this roster. Tom Compton was on this roster because he played with Kyle Shanahan. It wasn't because he was good, because he was awful for the Jets. You know, look, love coach, only Shans, you already know, but. <laughs> Sometimes he he has he he has like this love affair with older players that he won't let go. So I you know I could see Ryan Kerrigan coming right over too as well for very very cheap. So Carl Lawson's going to cost you a little bit more if you strike out and you miss on that. Ryan Kerrigan could be there for next to nothing, I think, and and he would you know for one year provide you know good results. Yeah, and and you brought up JJ Watt too. I'll say this: if JJ Watt was brought to the 49ers, he would play Eric Armstead's role. Correct. Like and I think people are like, oh, just put him out, put him out wide nine, like let him just go. To, no, that, that's not him at all. That is not his game. He's a guy that can play outside on on base downs, and then you kick him inside, just like Eric Armstead. So and for that, we already have Eric Armstead. Like yeah. it's redundant. It's almost redundant. Like I understand the thought process, and I like it because I love JJ Watt. Like if you would told if you would have told me years ago JJ Watt was going to be a Niner, I would have been like, oh my god, yes. But in the terms of scheme, in terms of personnel, it it doesn't make sense for me. No, me neither. And I, I did, and I do think he's gonna go to Pittsburgh. That's where I want him to yes. go to. Pittsburgh or Green Bay. That, that yeah, would be hope, so cool. I hope that he does that too, because the other brother's there too, right? Yeah, Derek. Yeah, so all three of them together, yeah, for sure. That's a great story. And he fits in Pittsburgh. Like that that works, you know. And again, JJ Watt has earned the equity to choose where he wants to go, even though he's you know, he's a free agent, whatever. He's earned that by like the Houston letting him go. That's his equity right there. And he's gonna go play for a winner. So I have it either Green Bay or Pittsburgh, honestly, either way. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's Pittsburgh just for the sentimental value. Yeah. Um, and then you also brought up drafting a guy. I think it's very likely that they take a guy either day one or day two. I don't know a ton about these edge guys. I know hmm. Rosario. I know, uh, what is it, Pay, the guy in Michigan. Um, there's He's a getting a lot of buzz now out of nowhere, actually, Pay. Like, I, like, I'm starting to pay attention to him just because people keep bringing him up. Yeah, I've seen him mock to the Niners a couple times. Mm-hmm. I don't think Rosario is a is a great fit there, um, but he he'll probably get drafted maybe before. I know that he had a lot of like top five hype coming into this year. He's he's a more of like a bigger edge guy where he's not a speed guy, not exactly like what I think they're gonna try to look for. Mm-hmm. Um, also, we didn't even bring him up, Kerry Hyder. Uh, I, I think that there's a decent chance he's back. I, I think a lot of people think he's going to get paid a lot on the open market. He's only really had success with Chris uh, Kosarek. Like he's had two years where he was really good. And those were both with, with uh, Kosarek. So mm-hmm. I think that he could be back, but if he's your third edge guy, that's pretty good. That's like really, really good. It is. But my point with, with Hyder is this eight and a half sack guys aren't just floating around, you know, like those guys tend to get paid. And what I mean by paid is, is I'm not talking about some crazy deal. I'm talking about in terms of what Kerry Hyder has seen as far as his his career earnings. Um, and you can see a team overpaying for that because they're like, oh, he unlocked something. You know, it happens all the time. Yeah. Uh, again, I am pro player. If someone's going to give you a bag, you make sure you take it and take care of your family. You know, yeah, not no, whether and, you and prioritize. For, you got, sorry. Th- and, and for, for Kerry Hyder as well, like, He's bounced around so many times, so I like that move a lot. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and if someone, if he wants to be like the veteran for a, maybe a team that takes up Rosario, takes a guy high, and they're like, all right, Kerry Hyder, you're going to come and you're going to kind of mentor this guy. 
I think that's a great move for for Hyder as well. I think that I would like to see him have success there too. Yep. Um, linebacker, just keep your guys. <laughs> you got sure. two studs. I think I think Dre Greenlaw is maybe the most underrated linebacker in the NFL, honestly, because he is really good. He is one of the best, just weak side guys. That he's a thumper. He is incredibly fast. His downhill speed is tremendous. He needs to maybe clean up his his coverage a little bit, but it's not like it's like, you know, like teams are just picking on him. That doesn't really seem to happen. Um, and then Fred Warner, all pro Fred. I mean, he I, he's the best guy in the league in my mind. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing with Greenlaw, right? Like, I love Greenlaw. You know, he has he has all the, you know, all of the big flashy plays and things like that that we like. You know, the you know obviously the goal line stand, the the interception against Seattle, the the play against the Rams, which I think gets you know swept under the rug because Jason Verrett makes the interception on that red zone um sequence. But if he doesn't smash Daryl Henderson and, and stop him from scoring, there is no Jason Verrett interception. There is no Cooper Cup drop two plays earlier than that, right? But I think you brought up something that's really good. I love Dre Greenlaw, right? I love the, I, I love all of that, but yeah, he does have to clean up the coverage thing. That's concerning for me. Uh, like it's, it's the Seattle game was really where I was like, uh oh, now there's an issue here. Like you know, like and and I'm not trying to you know pick on him or anything like that, but it's just that you know I know this fan base loves him, but he has a lot to work on. And I think that as much crap as they gave Quan Alexander um, in coverage, he was incredible you know, way, much better than Greenlaw, much better than Greenlaw, I think, you know, when you watch mm-hmm. the film and things like that. But he does miss those tackles, and Drake Greenlaw is probably the most short tackle, a short tackler on this roster besides Fred Warner, right? And 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 like you said, downhill speed, like, in the same time that I said that the Seattle game was a concern, the Rams game that he had was swept under the rug at what he did, like, completely in that game. Him and Jimmy mm-hmm. Ward took that game completely over. Like, it was incredible, man. Like, and he has those games in him. So I see what you're talking about when you when you talk about, you know, underrated because he is underappreciated. I just think that the coverage thing is a little bit more of a concern for me because, like you said, they weren't picking on him last year, but you can be sure that if people see that on the film, they're going to pick on him. So he has to work on that. Yeah, and, I, and I'm sure that's something that he'll be ready, like, a little bit more for next year where if he had some, you know, some plays where they got him a few times and, like, hey, we can go back and we can try to, like, att- really attack this guy. Because, I mean, we see Kyle do that all the time with, like, some linebacker. And he's like, okay, we're just going to target this linebacker for the entire game. And then you'll see the guy just getting beat every play. It's like, oh, I feel bad. I feel bad for this mm-hmm. middle backer right here. <laughs> um, but I, I think that, like, for 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 uh, Greenlaw, super young. Um, I don't know, like, I don't know what you can do in the offseason to really fix your coverage issues and, and progress in that, in that, abil- in that ability. But I do think that he's going to do all he can to get there, you know, like, because I think that's the one thing where you can look at him, you go, okay, he's got to get better at this. Um, also for Fred Warner, Fred Warner has continuously got a little bit better at coverage every, I mean, he's got a little bit better at everything every year, but coverage mm-hmm. specifically, like we've seen him take little growth steps and like, we've seen him, who is it last year? Was it Hollywood Brown where he got the PBU on him and he just uh- flipped Flipped his hips was, and like come came across the middle of the field and, and tipped it away. Was that was that nineteen you're talking about? Twenty nineteen? Yeah, twenty nineteen. It was it was uh I think it was Mark Andrews. Like it was a play where like he had to just turn quickly and he had and he was able to it was on a third down too. Like he ended the drive with that, you know. Um yeah, I mean Fred Fred has grown every single year, right? And here's the thing. This year, they put a lot on the linebackers' plates as far as that with the coverages and everything as well, too. And Fred responded. 
I will make you, I will make a point for you right here, and it doesn't even feel like a hot take. If you thought Fred was good last year, wait until D'Amico takes over, who's his linebacker position coach, and puts him in position where he's going to have to do everything. If you thought he was all pro Fred this year, I can almost guarantee, barring injury, that he will have a much better year than he did last year once D'Amico Ryan's makes him, D'Amico Ryan makes him the, the, you know, the, he's the quarterback of the defense, right? But they're going to put more on his plate now. He's going to have way more to do. Expect to see him one-on-one. Expect to see him doing everything. You know, even though you've been seeing that already, I expect a bigger year um, because of what D'Amico is going to ask him to do. No, I think that's a, I think that's a great point. And also, is was D'Amico one of the guys that was like, he wants to kind of blitz his linebackers a little bit more? Or where yeah. they have the ability to, like, I think he was talking about, I swear it was him, where he was saying that guys will come up and they'll have almost like the option to blitz. Like they'll always have an option to blitz. And if you have give Fred like little like spots where it's like, hey, feel the game, use your instincts, and he gets to blitz every once in a while, he's gonna make some plays in the backfield, like hundred percent. And he's not Absolutely. he's not really a guy to like even as a rookie, when he you know, he called the 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 first game of his career against the the Vikings. Vikings. Yeah. He's he's a smart, smart player. So he's yeah. not going to make blunders and like, oh, he blitzed and then, you know, they picked him apart. Like, that's not going to happen. Fred knows what's going on, like everything that's going on around him. So more responsibility for Fred is scary for especially the rest of the NFC West because he's going to be all over the place. Yep. And that's I mean, it's just you have to remember whoever takes over this D.C. job, you know, whenever we were trying to figure out who it was, if it was the, if it was the DB coach, then expect the DBs to take a take a leap. It's a mm-hmm. linebacker coach. Expect the linebackers to take a leap. If it was Chris Kosarek, the defensive line is going to take a leap. So that's the thing, right? It's. Guys uh, who are position coaches are always going to lean. And and then forget the fact that D'Amico was a linebacker in this league, you know, um, yeah. you know, are always going to favor their position group. And and that's how that's pretty much how I'm looking at it. Yeah, no, that's I think that's a that's a great point. Um, you mentioned Jimmy Ward a little bit ago. Do you feel comfortable having Jimmy Ward and her various more at, at the starting safety spots? Comfortable. As far as Jimmy goes, I'm not worried about him. Mm hmm. Tarverus Moore is the one that's more concerning for me because, you know, I see people saying, oh, he needs more reps. This is third year in the system. He's still making mental mistakes, like not like the Palms coverage um, blown in in the Buffalo game. Um, You know, that Buffalo game was very bad um, for him out of position, just just not understanding the calls like this scheme, you know, they run. they, They ran last year. It's very simple. The calls are easy. And it's almost the same thing over and over. They did transition to much more man. You know, that that's like across the board. Like they went little by little from cover three. So just coming out week one to just being like nearly straight man. And that's why, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, what was it? 14 catches, 153 yards in week one, right? You know, when Jason Verrett wasn't playing, then fast forward to week 16, he can't, you know, he couldn't even move, you know? So it's, yeah. it's strange how Tarverius Moore has all of the talent, all of the skills, but it's up here that he has to figure it out. So a lot of those coverage busts, I know that this fan base likes to get on Jaquiski Tart, but a lot of those coverage busts don't happen when he's there. They don't. And that's the thing, right? Yes, he, you know, whatever. He doesn't have turnovers. Him or Jimmy don't have turnovers. For me, the things that he clears up on the back end and stops are more important than those sometimes. Sometimes when you're watching the film, you'll see Jimmy Ward save a touchdown by getting over on coverage. See, the, the flexibility that Jimmy gives them you know, this was this was um, you know, when I wrote an article on him, you know, I was going through his week one film, right? And Robert Sala was playing mind games, right? So he was using players' reputations against you. So meaning 
there would be a formation where they're in straight quarters. Jimmy Ward is is in the second half of the of the secondary, but Quan Alexander floats over Christian Kirk. So what's Quan's reputation? Coverage guy, right? So in your mind, you're thinking, okay, we have an option here. Quan blitzes, and Jimmy Ward is able to come in one on one and wipe out the route. That type of stuff is the stuff that nobody sees or cares about because it's not a flashy interception. It's not a flashy, you know, fumble recovery, right? So that's sort of the flexibility that Jimmy gives them. And with Tart, Tart is really good at understanding the offense on the other side and understanding where he needs to be. So while you don't see those interceptions and things like that, that's fine. But I would argue that their value is bigger than the box score and what they do. So while Tarverius Moore has all of the talents, I still get afraid if he's asked to do things like that because he's still so raw um, mentally. Yeah, and, and we, I've seen a lot of stuff about his pursuit angles where he will just take a really strange pursuit angle. Um, I think it was it the Rams game. Yeah, it was the Rams game because that was the game where, where Jimmy Ward was just going off and they crazy. had that big run. I don't – was it Henderson? It might have been It Henderson was um, or, Cam Akers. It was Cam Akers where he had like the 60-yard run or whatever it was and he got tackled at like the five. Mm. And that was on that was on Tavares more because he completely like missed and then went the wrong way, and then he just had a seam. Um, but I, I am also a big Jimmy Ward guy. His his versatility is crazy. You could put him any defensive back position. He could play free. He could play box safety. He could play nickel, and he could play outside. So yeah. I still think. I mean, he and also he's just a super cool guy. I've I've always yeah. been a huge fan of Jimmy Ward. I remember he's just understated. That's it. And 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 again, you know, I, I'm not trying to call anybody out here, but interceptions and things like that, box score doesn't tell the story. And and I hate to be that guy, you know, like I never want to be, oh, watch the film. I hate that. I hate that sort of like that sort of rhetoric because it almost talks down to people who have opinions. And I'm not trying to do that. What mm-hmm. I'm just trying to tell you is that when you watch his film and you understand the scheme and you understand that flexibility, like you're talking about, like like in that same week one game. Right. Again, when I was talking about reputation. Kwan Williams is up on the line blitzing, right? Or look like he's going to blitz. Reputation will tell you what. Kwan's about to blitz. Mm-hmm. Salah drops him in the coverage and sends Ward. See, that type of stuff is the mind games that you need to play. And it, and it immediately turned into an incompletion because Kyler Murray's looking and he sees Kwan. He thinks he has to get rid of the ball. Kwan drops off into his guy and Jimmy Ward's the one coming at him on a free rush. It, it's just those sort of things and that sort of flexibility is something that you can't quantify with box score, honestly, for me. Yeah, and and looking at the box score stuff, when the during the Rams game where Jimmy Ward played one of the best defensive backs back games for a 49er in probably years, mm-hmm. probably since he did it a few years back because he had some really nice games when he was younger. That's his best game. That's his best game as a 49er. Yeah, I think so too. I think that was one of the best defensive back performances of anyone in 2020. Um, but he didn't even record an interception, but he was two unstoppable. Fumble, two- yeah, two fumble forced. Um, you know, the you know, he he was on the outside guarding Robert Woods, like, you know, like everywhere, box safety, everything, made all the tackles. He was incredible. There's there's one play in that game that I will not forget. It's a it's straight up man. Everybody, everybody drops with their man, and Jimmy Ward just is so while everybody sinks back, he just starts moving forward. And once he sees Jared Goff try to take off, he immediately runs right, right, like like dead, dead sprint and perfect form tackling. Grabs with the left, punches with the right, fumble comes out. Like he was incredible in that game. And it's just, it's just his mind. He understands exactly what he's looking at. And, you know, again, you could say this for pretty much the entire 49ers roster, but when healthy, you know, he's he's really, really good, man. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, so final, oh, also, I forgot about this. Malik Hooker. That's a guy that's been mentioned a lot to the 49ers. Mm-hmm. I do find that very intriguing. It's almost like the Jason Verrett type move where it's like, all right, this guy's been injured a lot, but he is a super talented player. I think mm-hmm. that'd be interesting if they brought him in. Also, mm-hmm. Kowalski Tart, it seems like he's gone. Do you believe that as well? Uh, it's tough. Um, you know, it's tough. Um, I, where I could see him landing, Washington, they run, they run their scheme similar, very similar to what the 49ers do. Dallas, cover three. I could see Dan Quinn, you know, absolutely going, going to try and get um, Tart. There is a world where I think he could come back, honestly. Um, you know, just call it a gut feeling. I'm, I don't think that Tart wants a bag. You know, I, I really don't. Like, I, I think that, you know, there's players who want to get a bag, but then there's players who get four or five million, and that's enough to last them forever. Or, you know, because just th- their tastes are different, right? You know, um, they're not buying, you know, $1,000 bottles of champagne every night. You know, they just not, that's not how they move. Other guys have different needs and other guys have, you know, ways that they live. Certain guys, that's not like them, you know? So would I be surprised if Joukowsky Tart came back for, you know, he, he made what, $4 million last year? $6 million? No, because that seems to be the type of guy that he is. Um, but again, I'm not basing that on anything, but you know the hope that he does come back because I would love to see him if he's able to put a 16 game year together. The sky's the limit for him and Jimmy Ward. Yeah, and we've ser- we've seen Richard Sherman talk about how great he is. Also, thing to mention about that is that he already got his second contract. This is his third contract, which is a really underrated thing. Underrated thing. All right, where does this guy stand financially? He was second round pick, and then he got his second contract. So he's he's already made a solid amount of money. Um, it would be interesting if they brought him back. I would not be opposed to that whatsoever. He's been a great player. Whenever he's on the field, he's making plays. And yep. people do question him in coverage and stuff. It's like, but he's a box safety and he's really good at being a box safety. And this is the thing, right? So Tarverius Moore was allowed in the Patriots game to roam the box, do whatever. I'm just like, why are you like they they stopped doing that with Tart? When you look at Tart in 2017, he was on the line blitzing, he was covering tight ends. He was showing his versatility. I think 2017 was the year that you really should point to for Jaquiski Tart and say, man, that guy's a baller. You know, the mm-hmm. thing is, is like you allow Tarverius more to do those things, but you don't do it with, with, with Tart, you know, and that's – that's the other thing is it's the smarts, right? So there's a play, and I I, I believe it's it it's week two of 2019, I believe, right? Uh, the 49ers played the Bucks and then the Bengals, right? They were they were, they were were underdogs in that Bengals game. Yeah. Um and there's a play. I'll never forget it. So Akilla Weatherspoon had an interception, uh, a pick six in week one. Week two, you know, there's a play where I think they're on the other side of the field, the Bengals, right? And you see Tart run into the box and you see him go like this and point to, to, to Spoon. Then he dips in the coverage. He's telling Spoon that the slant's coming. Spoon jumps the slant and drops it. It's, an, it's a pick six to the house. Pick six to the house. But that's the smarts. Right there, him recognizing what he saw on film, him being able to check to Spoon, and then almost setting Spoon up for a pick six. So while Jaquiski Tart doesn't have any interceptions, he nearly just caused an interception right there. And that's the part where I tell you to please stop watching the box score as the as the end all be all way to to evaluate these players. Yeah, completely agree. Um, so last position group, then cornerback, probably the position that's going to be most in flux this year because mm-hmm. I think. There might be a couple practice squad guys that are like under contract, but I think it is every single corner on the roster. If last time I checked, which right. is just crazy that it lined up like that. Um, seems like Sherman's gone. That pretty much seems definite now. 
Um, Get and, one more bag, Sherm. I'm fine with that. Do it. Yeah, and and also, Sherm has brought so much to San Francisco. Like he really brought a different mindset for that defense. Really helped Kyle Shanahan and Robert Sala like implement their their values and what they want in an organization. So hats off to him. Incredible dude. Um, and that's a guy that I don't think that any 49ers fans really cared for going into uh, w- before oh, he was signed. I did it. It took me a while. Yeah, no, the same here. <laughs> but it, definitely a guy that I'm nothing bad to say about him. Yeah. Um, maybe you go corner early. That's a possibility. I want them to bring Jason Verrett back. I really want them to bring Akello back. And I know people are not fans of Akello. Akello's last three games were were almost I would say they were incredible. He would looked so confident and it looked similar to him in early 2019 because uh was it week 1 when he was guarding Mike Evans hanging pick with six. him and he was hanging with any everyone. Yeah. He got um, a pick so, six in that game and then you're right about the last 3 games, right? Like it again, when you make the transition from cover to man, you can only make that transition when you have man coverage guys. And Akella was that. And and here's another thing that I want to give Akella Weatherspoon and why I would love to see him run it back. Me personally, my prediction is that he goes to Cleveland. I think Joe Woods wants to get his hands all over him again and try try again, right? But what I'll point to is, is he was in Kyle Shanahan's doghouse. And when you get in coach's doghouse, you don't get out. He got out and played incredible. You know, like, and he had the guard. You know, you see him break up a pass to DK Metcalf and he gets up and he's like, that's all confidence. It's all up here. It's all here for him because when he's going right, you can't stop him. But when things start going bad, that's when, you know, the confidence wanes and he starts to lose himself a little bit. It's never been a question of talent. The first four weeks, like you said, he was incredible. He was probably the best corner on this team. And I could say that, you know, without, you know, with Richard Sherman being there, I, I could still say that because he was doing things like you said. He had to guard Mike Evans. You know, Mike Evans had the flu in that game, but still, he was all over him, man, like all over him. Um, But the, you know, the Seattle game you can point to, you know, he was in good position, didn't turn his head in time, boom, touchdown, behind your back. Guarding DK Metcalf, didn't turn your head in time, boom, ball over your head, touchdown. Now you got to come out of the game. So that's the thing, right? It's like, you know, it happened in Minnesota. You know, uh, boom, you got to come out of the game now, like, those are the things that most of the time would send a player into like a shame spiral. He found a way to get out of it, man. And and I have to give him a lot of respect for that as well, too. Would love to see him come back. But I have a feeling Joe Woods and, and Cleveland are going to make a big move for him. Because remember, Greedy Williams didn't play this year. They're probably getting him back. Um, who's the other guy on the other side for them? It's Denzel Ward. Yeah. Um, you know. But if those guys aren't there, a killer Weatherspoon is a third option, a third or fourth option, or somebody who's a backup that could come in and play. That, that that's a no brainer, I think, um, for Cleveland. But I would and love also, to see him back as well. Yeah, and, and Joe Woods has already coached him too, which which makes a lot that's of sense. That's the point. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a good spot for them, especially because they've had a lot of injury issues. Because I don't know what I I think Greedy tore his knee. I want to say, um, and then was it Grant the Plitt? He he also was hurt all of last year. Like they've had a lot of injuries in the secondary, not to mention Denzel Ward missed an extended period of time last season too. So they, that's definitely something that they're going to try to bolster up. Um, also, maybe you see him go with Sala to the Jets. Um, that's a good possibility for sure. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think, I think that, that's where I see K1 going, honestly. He's I from think Jersey. that makes more sense, yeah. He's from Jersey. He li- His town um, in Jersey, because I'm from Jersey, his town in Jersey is literally 10 minutes from MetLife. He's from Patterson. It's 10 minutes. Okay. He can drive to he can drive to the stadium, you know. And then another thing that I you know I always get this point thrown at me on Twitter. Oh well, he wants to win. Okay, but does he want to win? 
Okay, because the Jets can offer him a bag. You know that in your in the scheme, Salah's going to use you. That's important, right? Like nobody wants to go anywhere and not be utilized. And then you're talking about the home factor. I feel like it's it's almost a done deal that he would end up in New York in, in, with the Jets um, in Jersey, honestly. And also, like he's going to go to New York. He's not going to believe that they're just going to suck. He's going he's going to think, okay, I'm going with my defensive coordinator who we just dominated the league with, like we carried a team and brought them to the Super Bowl in 2019, like he's going to have a lot of, of, of confidence that they're going to be good soon. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could see that. I could definitely see that. Uh, what about Sherm? Where do you think Sherm will end up? That's a good question because it could be the Jets as well too. You know, anywhere that he goes at this point, it's just going to be a player coach, right? And I think that if he's going to help anybody, it's going to be Salah. So I could see him going to the Jets, but I can also see somebody offering him a lot of money to come on over. And also, don't don't discount Sherman. I guarantee you, next year, we like if we get into like week six, week seven, we're gonna start talking to each other and saying, "Man, look at Sherman still playing well wherever he's at." Right? Because I think that last year his injury was so understated. Everybody wants to say, "Oh, he's washed and he's old." Okay, he's older, but he was bailing because that calf that was really his Achilles, and he was out there just on pure, like, I'm a football player type stuff, Richard Sherman is not going to be sitting on the sidelines. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if wherever he goes next year, we're, we're back revisiting week seven, week six. Like, man, he's still got it <laughs> somehow. Yeah. No, and I, and I hope he does too. I mean, he's he's such a fun player to watch, especially he's so smart too. Like, the, the play on Thielen was one of my favorite plays just because – and that was in the divisional round, yeah, mm-hmm. um, where Thielen basically runs around and he's like, no, I know what this route is. And he's running this over route with and, you. Yep. Yeah, he knows exactly what's coming. So yeah. I like – I like. Um, I would like to see Verrett back. Me too. I, I think, think he's priority that, number two right behind Trent Williams, honestly. I, I like that a lot. I think that he's – I think he will come back. Um, did you happen to see his, like – I don't know. It's like end of season interview, like exit interviews, I think it's called mm-hmm. where he's yeah, like, I mean, yeah, I want to be back. He wants to be back. And this is the funny part. He praises the the rehab facility and everything. And I was just like, you sure? You know, that was odd because it's just like, man, he's all these injuries and that's what, you know, but you know, he does want to be back. And, and I think he, he feels indebted to the 49ers for sticking with him. Right. How many other teams would have just said, that's it. You know, like even me, right? I have to eat crow because in the offseason, I'm like, why are you guys talking about Jason Verrett like he's about to help this team? Boy, was I wrong. You know, and and for him to for him to lose his step but regain everything else because of smarts and confidence, that's incredible. And that's only going to go up from there, right? And again, I, I kind of laid out the, the case for him. DeAndre Hopkins goes crazy week one. Week 16, the main difference is Jason Verrett's there. And Nick Bosa wasn't even playing in that game, and he was seven catches, forty-three yards. I yeah. think he only, I think he only allowed more than that. Like there was like the first, I want to say five weeks, he didn't allow more than eleven yards in coverage. Like everything was like six yards, eight yards, eleven yards. Like yeah, you can get him a little there. crawl route. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You'll get that, but he's going to be a short tackler and he's going to get you down. So, um, yeah, I think that Jason Verrett deserves to be back. I think he needs to be back, especially because the only real cornerback under contract right now is Emmanuel Mosley, and nothing against him. It's just that I think we kind of understand where Mosley is. Good filling guy shouldn't be your number two, you know, for me at least. Yeah. So are you a fan of A.J. Boye? I am, and I'm thank God that you brought this up, guys. I mean, uh, Matt, because that that, as soon as he got cut, I said, okay, 
Boom. All right. So that's name value that you're going off of, right? With the with the Jaguars. Okay. All right. But let's throw that out because that guy's not here, right? Let's throw that out. Last year, injured, suspended six games with PEDs, right? And yes, inconsistent play for sure. For the for the fans that are telling me he's washed and they want to take no chance on him, I don't understand that because when I t- turn on the film, sure, allow catches, cool. Still has instincts. This Chiefs game that he plays. He's he's bailing in coverage and he recognizes that that Hardman is running a curl right to the sticks. He breaks on it and knocks the ball down. Um, there's the game. Um, I I think it's not the Titans, but it's, it's another game where, you know, someone threw a stat out at me and said, well, look, he's had zero interceptions. And the play that he was replying to the cut that, that I put up was A.J. Boy putting his hands on a ball and sending it up in the air, which results in an interception, which, again, is is going back to my point. Please stop coming to me with stats. You want to use stats in in hand in hand with the film. It has to line up. It can't be one or the other. Can't be oh all film, oh all stats. So when you tell me that AJ Boyer hasn't had any interceptions last year, no, he didn't. But that interception is because of AJ Boyer, and that's all you really want. So look, am I saying that he's the key to a Super Bowl? No, but a one year prove it deal with a guy who's going to have a better pass rush than he had last year because Von Miller wasn't there for most of the year and and they largely weren't the defense that everybody thought. Of course I want A.J. Boye over there on the other side, especially if it's going to be a one-year incentive-related deal. So, again, it's not a huge deal. Think about the injuries. Think about that he's going to be suspended for the first two games. You can get A.J. Boye for nothing, and I'm with that. I'm with it. Yeah, No, and also another veteran presence. And I think that, especially at corner, you don't want – if you have a good defense, you don't want young guys running around there just lost. If they were to take a guy at 12 um, and you bring back Verrett and you have Emmanuel Mosley and then you get Boye and say you take a guy at 12, which I don't think they're going to take a guy at 12 just because mm-hmm. we've seen that they would rather build the trenches first. You know, lines. They want to yep. build up those lines. But if you're going to draft a young corner, you want the veteran guys around him. You want Jason Verrett. You want A.J. Boye, I think. And so I like that move. I think that's a great move. I It's not going to cost a lot. It's going to cost almost nothing. And especially for him, his number one priority right now should be, hey, I need to put on just a really good season and show that I can still play. Because, I mean, we see a lot of guys where it's like they get older and they get to that point where it's like, hey, can they play still or can they not? And then they go and they, you know, they play for a franchise that just isn't quite ready to win and you see them struggle and it's like, okay, they're out of the league. And it's not, it's not even like they're, they can't play anymore. Like, it's just, it, it's not, but it's like, okay, this guy struggled the last three years. It's not worth it to take a chance on him anymore. Boye is getting to that point, I think. And so if he goes to a team like the 49ers and his defensive line is able to dominate, then, hey, you're chilling. You know, like, you're going to have a good year. Um, We saw the 49ers. I mean, Emmanuel Mosley played fantastic in 2019. Why? Because the pass rush is constantly in the backfield. And that's where yeah. this defense is made. You know, there, there's kind of two ways to build a defense. One, you build it through the front seven, or, or you kind of do it the Patriots way where you build it from the secondary and then inside. The 49ers have it in the front seven. So that's where they're going to put their assets in. Um, I, I, the cornerback room could play out like a million different ways right now. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really interested to see how they how they attack that. Um, also, mm-hmm. would, wouldn't be surprised at all if you, we see a, a second or third round pick at corner. I think that's very likely as well. Uh, maybe maybe they go after a Stanford guy, uh, Paulson Adebo, I think is his name. Mm-hmm. I like him. Um, pretty big dude. That would be a fun move. Uh, but 
I think that's that's pretty much it here. The the final thing I'll say is I would like to see Kyle Juszczyk back. I know there's Josh Hoke on. I think it's Hoke on the roster, mm-hmm. uh, and people like him a lot. They say he's a fantastic blocker. I think Kyle Juszczyk's going to sign back, and yeah. I think he's going to take a team-friendly deal just because I, I just watched the interview yesterday of him, and he had everything that he said about the 49ers was, was so great, and he's a he loves Kyle Shanahan. It's that's very it. clear. So, that's it. I mean, vacationing with with Kyle Shanahan while you're a free agent. Also, just just look. This is easy stuff, right? He's already he was already paid three times the what, what the position was worth his first time, right? Again, don't discount being in a place where you'll be utilized. Look, do we have issues with the way he's utilized? Yes, but he's utilized. He's not a fullback in in the the, the terms that everybody else uses him. They still throw him the the leaks. They still get him open. So, coach. You know, he can take a, a team-friendly deal. And then you're talking about scheme fit. I really don't see why he would leave. And then you, you're right. That Haberman and Middlecoff, um, you know, interview, you know, shout out the guy and shout out the, to, to John. You know, the, he was glowing when he was talking about that, right? And, again, he likes the culture. I, I have a hard time seeing him go anywhere unless somebody throws a wild amount of money at him. I don't see him going anywhere, and I think that he could be back. And then, you know, with the Hokit thing, if I, I don't know much about him, I'm not going to pretend to. The the guy that I think is interesting that you could probably have at the end of drafts that that is really, you know, is really intriguing is Ben Mason from Michigan, right? So um, during the Senior Bowl, he had his one-on-one reps, and he was going against tough Borland, who had a tough time guarding him, you know, on, uh, on it was just a simple out route. So I think Ben Mason could be somebody that you could look at and say that they could draft somebody, you know, draft and have, and he might be able to step in week one. But I think I'm right there with you, man, about Juice coming back. I think that he he would love to come back, and I think that it wouldn't take much to get him. Yeah, no, exciting stuff. Um, but I, I think that's going to do it for today. Jason, I want to say thanks again for coming on. This was a really fun show. I, I said we were going to go like 30 minutes. We, we doubled that. So. <laughs> no, it's fine, Matt. And I appreciate you, man. I had a blast. And and I didn't think we were just going to be able to do 30 minutes. So, you know, me, I'm, I'm a blabbermouth. And I knew that I was going to carry, you know, like so much of the conversation because, you know, you, you kind of have to tell me to be quiet. But, you know, I always <laughs> appreciate the invite. And I love talking football with anybody, man. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, if you guys are listening on YouTube, make sure to subscribe, like the video. And then if you're listening on podcast. I know Apple, you can rate and review. I don't know if you can really do anything on Spotify. I don't think you can. But uh, rate and review if you're listening on Apple. Um, Thanks, everyone, for listening. And I'll probably be back next week. And hopefully, Jason, hopefully we get you on again. Once again, huge thanks for coming on the show. That was awesome. No problem, man. Thank you again for having me. And and anytime, Matt, this was awesome.